Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Can a person who says they are a Christian but doesn't actually follow Christ, can that person really be called a Christian? Have you ever heard the phrase, all bark but no bite? It's obvious reference to a dog that would bark a lot but didn't bite. In culture, it came to refer to a person that talked a big game but didn't necessarily deliver on the big talk. So, can the same thing be said about some people that say they are followers of Jesus? Faith, if it has no works, is dead. The faith that doesn't work is a faith that won't work. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In James chapter 2, we find the author addressing the problem of people that say they have faith but have no evidence of that faith in their life. James asks simply, can that faith save anyone? Uh, James makes it clear that the answer is so obvious that no one need even answer the question and the answer is an unequivocal no. As Pastor Clay is going to explain today, the kind of faith God wants us to have is a faith that produces a changed life, or as James puts it, a faith that produces works. Having a clear understanding of what is meant by saving faith is critical for our lives and eternal destiny. Pastor Clay is going to explain how this passage in James' letter has been misused theologically to promote a works salvation, and he is going to show us what saving faith actually is. Thanks for joining us for this important study. Now here's our pastor with today's message. Our sometimes neighbor, uh, John, super nice guy, by the way, really is. Um, he, he owns a $15,000 hunting dog. Yeah, $15,000. I'm just be honest with you, I really thought y'all would gasp a little more than that because I, maybe y'all spend a lot of money on dogs. That seemed like a lot, that seemed like a bit much to me. He has a $15,000 hunting dog. Um, but, but now, but now here, here's the thing. D- uh, now y'all are reacting. Did y'all not hear what I said the first time? Was it? Oh, sorry. Am, am I talking too fast? What? I have no idea. I can't hear what you said. But am I getting my merge wixed up? Or what? I, I don't. Okay. Anyway, he has a $15,000 hunting dog. <laughs> To the best of my knowledge, as far as I know, he, I've never seen it. He's never told me of any example. To the best of my knowledge, John has never taken his $15,000 hunting dog hunting. <laughs> I, I don't think when, when he, he flies all over the country to different, you know, go hunt bighorn over here or that or whatever. Don't tell PETA. But, you know, go do this kind of stuff. And, uh, and he, never, uh, he never takes Zeke with him. That's his dog. Zeke, Zeke stays here. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have the heart to tell John this, but uh, a $15,000 hunting dog that doesn't hunt isn't really a hunting dog. It, it's just an expensive pet. I mean, that's, that's what it is, right? So here's a question for you. Can a person who says they are a Christian but doesn't actually follow Christ, can that person really be called a Christian? That is a question that James puts forth to us today, and this is a very sobering text. Open your Bibles this morning to James chapter 2, 
the second half of the chapter. We'll see how far uh, my plan is to get all the way through chapter 2 today. We'll see uh, where it goes. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, going through the end of the chapter, looking at this idea that James is, is brought up on a number of occasions. But I'm just going to tell you something, buddy. Uh, with all the subtlety of a bull in a china shop, James plunges into this one. James chapter 2, y'all got a copy of God's Word, electronic copy, hard copy. You'll see it up on the screen as well. Thank you so much for being here. Listen to what James says. James chapter 2, verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is, say it, dead, being by itself. But someone may say, may well say, uh, show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is, say it, useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Whoa. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is, say it, dead. Father, this is, a, uh, this is really one of those in-your-face kind of uh, messages that James has for us. And uh, uh, we've already discussed the fact that, boy, he, he sure doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right to the point. Uh, James doesn't seem to uh, have time to, uh, to play the diplomat or to dance around issues. He just goes right at it. And uh, such is the case today with this idea of faith and works and and uh, how those two uh, meet in the intersection of, of uh, salvation. It's really important that we get this right theologically, that we understand a lot of people have misunderstood this text uh, through the years. Um, but perhaps even worse, even more people have not taken heed of this text. They have not received the warning that this text is. And so uh, today I'm asking for every person in this room and every person who will watch or listen to this message, I'm asking, Lord God, that you would speak into our hearts and minds that we would understand in a way that changes our lives. May we have a full grasp of the, of the faith that is a faith that leads unto salvation. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for 
for listening and exploring this text with me uh, today. It has been an interesting uh, time as I've walked through it again uh, this week. I, I did, as I did last week, I want to present to you an overarching uh, idea, a, a big picture biblical principle, a BP squared, uh, as we start today. And the BP squared uh, looks like this for James two fourteen through 26. A faith that doesn't work is a faith that won't work. If y'all like to take notes or fill in blanks, by the way, on the back of your information sheet, you feel free to do that. If you don't like to do that, that's quite all right as well. But a faith that doesn't work is a faith that won't work. Now, as I said a moment ago, this is a subject matter that James has, has approached and dealt with. Uh, we're only into the chapter 2, but he, he has brought, he's broached this subject several times. He's talked about this idea of faith being an action several times. But nowhere is he more direct, more blunt, even confrontational, you could say, than he is right here in the second half of chapter 2. And, and he, in, in verse 14, he poses this question. It's, it's two, or, two or three questions in there, but, uh, but it looks like this. I'm giving it to you from the New Living Translation, verse 14. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? What good is that kind of faith. If you say you have faith, you, you, you say it out, you speak it, you identify as saying that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions. And then comes this, this last part of the question there in verse 14. Can that kind of faith save anyone? That last question obviously is intended to be rhetorical. In other words, uh, it's not intended to be answered because James doesn't think it needs to be answered. Uh, James makes it clear that the answer is so obvious that no one need even answer the question. And the answer is an unequivocal no. No, that kind of faith that you say you have but doesn't cause works or action, and we'll discuss that more as time allows, uh, that that kind of faith can't really save anyone. It's a very probing question. And I don't know, I, I could be wrong, but I get the impression that James has, has seen this, again, James has seen this kind of thing in the church, that there's a problem that he recognizes. He's obviously writing on the inspiration. He's writing what God wants him to write. But, but James is, is so specific now. He's so hard hitting on this idea of, of faith and works that it seems as if James has, seen, has witnessed this in the church or in people's lives. People that would claim to have a faith, but there is no, no identifying of it, no actions in their life that would substantiate that that faith is authentic. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so uh, he, he follows this, this probing question with kind of a, a, a sobering uh, observation. He, he, he brings in these, uh, these two guys. Uh, one of them has faith uh, and works. One of them says he has faith, but no works. And the guy who, uh, who says he has faith and has works says to the guy that says he has faith, but no works. And he says to him in, uh, I think it's verse 17, uh, no, go to verse 18, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. He says, show me your faith without works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Show me your faith without your works. Now, now think about this. How do, you, how do you show someone that you have faith? How do you, we express that. We say that. We say, oh yeah, I, I have faith that God's going to come through in this situation. Or, or I believe that Jesus died for my sins. We, we can verbally 
affirm that, but, but really how do you show that? Well, James says the only way that it can be shown is by your actions, by your works, by your changed life as a result of this supposed faith that you have. And so he gives us an, an example, a negative example compared to the positive ones he's going to give us further down, but he gives us a negative example. Remember, he's showing us the kind of faith that doesn't work and won't work. He says, um, he says so, suppose somebody comes to you who is in need of, of clothing. They, they don't have much clothing on. They're freezing to death and they're in need of food. They're hungry. They, they haven't had a meal in several days and they're, they're jam- in, in this situation that James is, is creating here, this, it's genuine needs. It's authentic. I'm not talking about the whole, you know, the guy standing on the corner and deciding whether he's actually has a need or is going to drive off in a Mercedes later or, you know, however all that, that works. That's, that's a kind of a whole other thing to worry about. But, uh, but this, these are genuine, authentic needs, okay? And so that person comes to you uh, and, and reveals that, they, that they're hungry, that they need, they're freezing to death. Maybe their kids are freezing to death. And you, a, a person of faith, respond to them by saying something like, and I'm going to kind of put it in today's vernacular, but, but, but I think I'm, I'm being true to the text. You say something to them like, well, bless God, my brother. Uh, I'm believing God right now uh, for your needs. By faith, I'm believing that God is putting clothes on your back, uh, that, that you're not going to be freezing to death anymore. You don't have to worry about freezing to death in your sleep. And, and, and by faith, I, I, I'm believing that God's going to send food to your table so that you're not going to starve to death. You're going to have something to eat. I'm claiming the blood of Jesus over your needs right now. Amen. Uh, go, go in peace, my brother. And, and you do nothing to help that person. That's clearly what James said. And the implication of the story is you have the means, okay? Not only you have the means to provide for yourself, but the implication of the story is that you have the means to help that person, but you don't. You, you believe by faith it's going to be taken care of, and you, and you wish them well, and you send them on, and you don't do a thing for them. And James says, what is that? What is that? Is that your idea of faith? Is that what you really believe that faith is? That it, would, that it would cause no action on your part to respond to the need of this person? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And so uh, I, I want to give you this statement here, and I'm kind of putting it in, in a way that, uh, that's probably familiar, maybe you've, you've heard before, but we're just going to chew on this idea a minute. And the, and the statement looks like this when it comes to uh, faith. Uh, go back up, Tyler. I'm sorry. I know I've probably gotten you out of, out of place, but go up to faith. Uh, act, uh, uh, talk is cheap. Faith. Talk is cheap. Th- that, that's really where James is going with this. What good is if a man says he has faith? This idea that his, his actions do not emulate what he professes to believe. It's just cheap talk. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. You, 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 you're playing a role, so to speak, but not actually living a role. It's like I grew up in a, uh, I grew up in a cow town, uh, really, for the most part. A lot of other things, but it's a cow town, uh, and there are a lot of cowboys in the town where I grew up, a lot of dairies, a lot of ranches, and things like that. And um, so there were a lot of cowboys, right? You see a lot of cowboys around, cowboy boots, uh, Levi's or, or Wranglers, usually Wranglers and uh, um, 
big belt buckle, cowboy shirt, cowboy hat. Y'all know the type? Y'all ever seen Urban Cowboy? Look, right? There'd be, there'd be uh, uh, cowboys. It, when a town, when I was growing up, every, every cowboy drove a pickup truck. And uh, every pickup truck had a gun rack in the back of it. And, and every gun rack had, had two things, if you're, if you're a real cowboy. It had a rifle and it had a hot shot. Now, some of, y'all, some of y'all don't know what a hot shot is, but a, a hot shot is a, is a, uh, a cow-moving, inducing device. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cattle prod. It's, a, it's got this electrical charge, and you stick it to the cow, and the cow and, uh, moves very quickly. He moves and moves. <laughs> so don't tell Peter that either, because I'm sure that was not good. Cattle prod, y'all. So that, that, was what, that was cowboys. That's what it was. Well, because so many people had uh, cowboy stuff, well, then lots of people would dress like cowboys in that town. That was the, the fashion, the urban cowboy, right, kind of thing. Well, uh, real cowboys have a, have a term for that. A person is referred to as a drugstore cowboy. Y'all ever heard that term? I have no idea where it comes from, but maybe somebody used to hang around around a drugstore that looked like a cowboy. <laughs> I don't know, but a drugstore cowboy. Somebody that dressed the part... But didn't live the part. That's what James is, is saying here. Talk is cheap. You're, 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 you're saying you have faith, but there's no, uh, there's no evidence that there, that there is faith in your life. Go in peace to be warm, filled. What is that? Even so, faith, verse 17, if it has no works, is dead. Talk is cheap. It's an observation that you and I have to make about our lives when we say that we have faith. Now, let me say this. Don't think of it just in terms of, well, I, I work in the nursery. Or I work in student ministry. Or I work as a greeter. Or I serve here. Or I, I do th- that. Or I'm planning to serve at Public Safety Day on September 19th. Sign-up sheets in the lobby. I meant to, I, I, Jenna, maybe I'll do it now. I meant to bring those sign-up sheets in here this week and pass them around so everybody can sign up because we're all in a hurry to leave and everybody goes by. Sign-up sheets for Public Safety Day. By the way, uh, Public Safety Day, uh, if you don't know what that is, come talk to me, come talk to Bill. We'll explain to you what Public Safety Day is. Uh, it's a great way for us to minister in the community and, and let people know that we're here. But uh, there's sign-up sheets out there and there's blocks of times where you serve in different ways and please sign up for some of those times. But can I, can I just say this to you? Why don't you just go ahead and just give us the whole four hours? Just, it's from 10 to 2, so, you know, why don't you just plan on, well, I'm just here, I'll, I'll do whatever. I'm just, that's just an idea. But uh, a bill is going out, so those sheets may show up uh, very shortly in your thing. But we do it, because I know you're in a hurry, and you, you, oh, I keep meaning to sign up, but I forget. So those sheets will be going by, and maybe you want to sign up. It would be great to fill those sheets up and have lots. We've got lots of things we're going to do uh, in, in the community. It's going to be a great day, but, but we need people to, to do that. So what was I saying? <laughs> Talk is cheap. Somebody better write that down. Talk is, is cheap. So, so don't think of it just in terms of, well, I do this and this. Those, those are great. Those are important. Those, those are needed things. But the, the, the biblical idea of works goes beyond that. The biblical idea of works carries this idea that of, a, of a life that is, that is transformed as a result of, of this, this faith that I have. That I, I think a different way, I act a different way, I, I, I 
my belief system has changed, my, my philosophical view of the world, everything changes as a result of this faith that I now have in Jesus Christ. It, it, that biblical idea of, work, of works is not just what I do, but, it, it, but it's, it's everything about who I am. Let me explain to you, just, let me take just a second, I hadn't planned to do this now, but let me just go ahead and do this, tell you why that's so important. Because it has been my experience that a person without a relationship with Jesus Christ can do those things, Right? I know atheists that have, that have gone to dig wells in the sub-Saharan region of Africa because there are people that needed fresh water over there. That is a good work. I, I know people that, that have nothing to do with church or a relationship with Christ or anything like that, that donate huge sums of money to food shelters, to, to, to homeless shelters and, and food banks and things like that. Those, those are good works. So so it's not just about the work itself. You have to think beyond that. You have to think to who am I? Who is my life? What, how does this affect all the entirety of who I am in Christ? Okay? Now, uh, real quickly, before we go on to the, the second idea of this, because, uh, wait a minute, let me see where I am. Is it? Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll wait. Okay, so before we go on to, the, he says the same thing, but he just turns and says it around a different way. And he's, he's driving home this idea that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Before he, he does that, I, w- I want to bring up what I think is probably an argument that some people might have uh, to this idea that, that you should show, your faith should show. Basically, is what he's saying. It's, your faith should be demonstrated. Sometimes the argument might go, and I've heard this, maybe you've heard this. I got a feeling James probably heard something like this. But the argument goes something like, like this. Well, my beliefs are a, a personal matter. Have y'all ever heard something like that? My beliefs are a personal matter. My faith is, is my business. It, it's, it's private. Y'all ever heard something like that? Survey says. That, that Tyler is fast. How did he even know I was going there? today. This is amazing. Listen, you know, this is something that everybody in here needs to get their mind around right now. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a private faith. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a private faith. Over and over again in scripture, followers of Jesus are told to stand up and stand out for their faith in Jesus Christ. Over and over again. Let me give you just, maybe just a few examples. Matthew uh, chapter 5 uh, says this. You're the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good Deeds, your works, your good works, and do what? Give honor to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, I think it is, 33. But whoever denies me before men, this idea, oh no, my, my faith is, that's kind of my personal deal. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. That's pretty stern, that's pretty strong. Uh, Acts chapter 1, 8. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then I think uh, one more in Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the good news, 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to coward. I'm not going to keep this. I'm not ashamed of the good news because it's the power God uses to save people. Everyone who believes to save the Jews first and then save non-Jews. The, uh, the good news shows how God makes people right with himself. That it begins and ends with faith. And as the scripture says, but those who are right with God will live by faith. There's no such thing as a secret Christianity. Now, it is true that our faith is a personal thing between me and God. It is true that when I go to God and I spend time with God, that, that it is on a personal and, and, and private uh, level. It's just me and God and, and I'm pouring out my heart or he, he's trying to get through to me or there's this personal private thing between me and God when I, when I go to him. But that is a very different thing from saying that I, 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 don't, I don't care to let the world know that, that I'm a follower of Jesus. I, that's something that's my personal, that's my, that's my business, that's nobody else's business. I just, I just keep that to myself. You, you could think of it this way, saying that I have. Uh, faith is a personal decision that results in a public revelation. People ought, shouldn't have to guess that I'm a follower of Jesus. Do you understand? They shouldn't have to guess that. They should see it in my actions, my works, in the person that I am, that I have become. Okay? So, uh, when somebody says, well, that's, that's, pri-. by the way, I, I'm pretty sure that James has heard something like, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm, that's private, that's between me and God, I, you know, I believe in God, and, and that's, that's good enough, that's no, well, I believe in God, and, and I don't have to tell everybody, I don't have to share, I don't have to, you know, just show it all around, I just believe in God, and that's enough. I really believe, I really believe, that's why James inserts uh, here in verse 19, uh, when he says, oh, you believe that God is one. Well, you do well. The demons believe and shudder. Let me give you my translation of that verse. Oh, you believe in God, do you? Well, you and the devil have a lot to talk about then. In hell, because that's where his belief is taking him. And if that's your idea of belief or faith, that's where it's going to take you. Now listen, that may sound harsh, but I'm telling you, it's, it's no harsher than what James is saying. I, I don't even think I'm getting as harsh as James is saying. When he says in, in verse 20, he goes on and says, You foolish person, must you be shown that faith does nothing? The faith that does nothing is worth nothing. A faith that doesn't work, won't work. And we need to understand that. Okay? Talk is cheap. Now, watch what happens. Here's, here's the second idea about faith. Actions speak louder than words. Now, like I said, it's really saying the same thing. We're just flipping it around because it's exactly what James does. He just flips it around. Beginning in verse 21, he begins to, uh, to, to move on in the, in the story and he begins to give us uh, an example of a positive faith, an action-based faith. He, he, he's saying the same thing. He's just changing around. Y'all with me? And he gives two examples. Man, I want to stand up. He gives two examples. And I love the examples that James gives. Because in one way, they couldn't be any different. They couldn't be two people who were any different. But in another way, they are exactly the same. The first example he gives is Abraham. Abraham, right? The father of the nation of Israel. A Hebrew of Hebrews admired, respected, revered, everybody reading this, everybody would have wanted to have been, been seen with Abraham. Everybody would want to be in Abraham. 
presence for everybody to know that he was with Abraham. The other example he gives is Rahab, a woman, a Gentile woman, a Gentile woman prostitute. Isn't isn't that amazing? Do you love that fact that he compares Abraham to Rahab? This Gentile woman and women weren't real esteemed in that culture. Let's face it. And a prostitute, not respected, not admired, certainly not revered, and not anyone would want to be seen with Rahab, at least not in public. They are, in one sense, they couldn't be two more different people, and yet they are exactly the same. They both are sinners in need of a Savior, and they both have to come to God through faith, And they both demonstrate that their faith is authentic and genuine by the works that they do. We're back to that whole idea we've hit on several times the last couple of weeks. That all ground at the cross is level. That this highly revered, this godly man Abraham needed by faith to come to God. And this woman whose life has gone down a path that who knows how it ever ended up down that path. Certainly probably nothing that she dreamed about as a little girl. They both need to come by faith. And James says, there's your two examples. In Abraham's case, Abraham offers up his son Isaac. If you're not familiar with the story, he offers up his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God as God asked him to do. Now listen, we have the advantage from our perspective of looking back. We know that God never intended to have Abraham actually kill his son. But all Abraham knows is that God has told him to offer up his son on the altar as a sacrifice. And this is the moment when we discover what Abraham's faith is actually made of. Because you see, Abraham can say all day, God, you are, you are great. God, you are glorious. God, you are worthy of praise. Abraham can sing the same songs we sang today and they were beautiful. Y'all sounded beautiful. Abraham could say, I am a man of faith. But listen, until he took that knife and was ready to plunge it into the heart of his own son and God stayed his hand, it was in that moment that we were able to see, there's a guy that believes God. There's a guy that has faith. And, and James even quotes, quotes the passage that says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteous. His, his works, his action, his obedience to God demonstrated the validity of his, what? Faith. It showed his faith for what it was. What about Rahab? She she protects, she hides these two uh, Hebrew spies who have come in to, to spy out the, the land and spy out the city and she protects them and she hides them and she even helps them escape. She does so at the risk of her own life. Why would she do that? She doesn't know these guys. She doesn't, she doesn't, why would she do that? Because however, in the, in the, in the, the providence of God, Rahab has come to believe that the God of the Israelites is the one true God and by faith, she chooses to protect those spies. You see, actions speak louder than words. Now, real quickly, uh, I need to stop here and take a little bit of a, uh, a, a, a theology lesson because I'll give you a little bit of a theology lesson on this because uh, this, this part of James chapter 2 and, and particularly, you know, verses uh, 15 and, and following on, on down through there uh, have been used and and abused by cults and by pseudo-Christian organizations that have taught that works save you. That your works, the good work that you do, 
that, that Paul Spearing showing up on, on the setup team and his rotation, setting up the flags and putting the signs out and setting up the, the, that, that because Paul did that uh, and believed in Jesus, Paul's going to get in heaven. Good thing Paul did that or, or he wouldn't get in heaven. The, the, the works provide his salvation. That, that James has been... And listen, you, you can understand how you could arrive at that. If you read that text and, you, and, and James says, you see that a person is justified by works and faith, you can see where a person might... If that, if that text is taken out of its biblical context, you can see where a person might say, yeah, you gotta, you got to work. Your works save you. They're part of your salvation. Not just your faith, they're part of your salvation. That's why, by the way, the... Uh, uh, early church reformer, Martin Luther. Martin Luther hated the book of James. He, he wouldn't accept the book of James. He called it an epistle, a letter of straw. I guess because he figured it was good for burning. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But he could, and be, here's, here's why. You got to understand. Luther comes out of a works-based religion. He comes out of Catholicism that's taught him he has to do this and that. And he has to count his rosary beads and he has to do all the stuff that he has to do. He, he needs to believe in Jesus too, but he has to do all this other stuff. And if he's lucky, that'll, that'll uh, get him in. And so, and so Luther came out of that and he said, no, that's absolutely not right. And, and Luther's mantra uh, became this statement, sole fide, faith alone. That's faith alone. That's the only thing that will save you. So Luther then reads in James and he says, ah, works. Works. This man's talking about works all over the place. I can't accept this. Uh, Luther wasn't wrong, by the way. Luther wasn't wrong about sole fide. It is faith alone. Luther just misunderstood James. That's what I want you to understand here. He just misunderstood James. So for some people, they might read James, they might read other passages of Scripture, and they would come up with this formula. And here's what you need to understand. It's not the formula. It's, it's, it's the arrangement of the formula that is critical here. You might come up with this formula. Faith plus works equals salvation. So there, there are certainly people, there are denominations uh, that believe that. That your faith plus the works that you do, that earns you, gives you, credits you with salvation. Y'all with me? Y'all got that? All right. You just, if you wrote that formula down, you can just mark a big line right through that formula right now. Because if I would thought about it, we'd have done it again. Survey says, and we did because... That's wrong. It is wrong. That <laughs> is not right. It, see, it's the arrangement of the formula. James would not have agreed with that formula. James would have said, no, that is not the case. James would have absolutely agreed with the Apostle Paul when he writes in Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all, some of y'all have read this verse plenty of times. When he writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the, say it, gift of God. Not as a result of works. So that no one may boast. James would have absolutely agreed with that statement. No, it's the arrangement of the formula that James is emphasizing here. Which, and this is probably not mathematically correct to say it like this, but this is the way I think that it looks. Faith equals salvation plus works. That faith, if it is authentic, if it is genuine, then, then God grants me salvation. He redeems me. He buys me back out of my sin through the sacrifice of his son. I'm adopted into the family of God with all the rights and privileges that go with that. And bonus, his Holy Spirit comes to dwell within me, changing me into this person that he desires and, and made me, wanted me to be in the first place. Changing me into this person he wants me to be. And that person 
wants to glorify God. That person wants to honor God. That person wants to serve God and build his kingdom. That person, you don't have to ask that person to work. You don't have to ask that person to serve. You don't have to ask that person to be Christ-like. That's who they want to be. Their faith, because it is authentic, because it is genuine, they are redeemed. Well, listen, I, I, I came up with a, a statement for that too. How did I say it? Genuine faith brings a redeemed life and a repurposed life. Because before Christ, you know what my purpose in life was? Me? What do I want? What do I want to do? How do, how do I want to spend my money? You know, what do I want? You know, that was, it was about me. When, when I came to Christ, God repurposed me. <laughs> God repurposed me. I got a new purpose. And that purpose now is to live for him. That purpose now is to honor him and glorify God. Yeah, isn't that good? That's so, so good. So that's what James is saying. It's not that works are not part of the salvation uh, formula. They actually are. But you've got to make sure you put them in the correct order. Faith, genuine faith, brings salvation. It equals salvation plus works. Now, I, I, need to, I need to close out here pretty quickly. So let me just say this real, real quickly as I can. Again, I mentioned this earlier, don't think about it simply in terms of, oh, I do this, or I, I serve in this way, or I don't do this, you know, like all good Christians, I don't, you know, I don't do this, or I don't do that. Don't think about it simply in those terms. Yes, that's, that's part of this new life, this redeemed life, and who I am in, in Christ, and, you know, Paul's admonition in 2 Corinthians that a new creation has come. It, it's part of that, and serving, and, and September 19th, and publicity. All those things, yes, it's part of it. But again, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's who I am as a person. Let me give you an example. I counseled a, a, a couple one time. Their marriage, they were struggling in their marriage. And part of the problem was that uh, the, the wife, in, in the, as I counseled her, she just, she just flat told me, I don't, I, don't, I don't love my husband right now. Uh, and, and she was very angry, and she said he's, he's being a jerk, in her opinion. He was, he was being a jerk, and, uh, and he, he's, he's, I mean, she's just, he's just sitting right there, and she's just like, man, 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 and she's, you know, and so I can't, that's what she said, I can't love him. So I reminded her that God commands her, if she's a follower of Jesus, God commands her to love her husband, and it has nothing to do with her husband's worth. It has nothing to do with her husband's value. It has nothing to do with whether her husband's being a jerk or not being a jerk. It has to do with honoring God. And that God asks her by faith. See, she looks at her husband. The guy's a jerk. I don't know whether he was or not. I wasn't in the home with him. I don't know, I don't know if he was or not. But as far as she was concerned, that guy's a jerk. I can't love him. And God says, by faith, you can choose to love him by believing that I'm the God who redeemed you, redeemed him, and I can, I can, I can change all of y'all. By faith, you choose to love him. Now, if she had done that, that would have been a great story uh, to tell. But instead, she got mad at me and left cross-culture. They never came, back, never came back again. You see, your faith, if it's real, it's not just about, oh, well, I, 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 I served in, in uh, cross-culture kids this, this month, or I uh, worked on this audio team. Or I, it's not just about that. It's about this new person that is created. Do you understand? And if that person is new, if they're created, it will come out of their life. It will demonstrate. Can I tell you this? Those of us who, who travel into third world countries, go overseas to share the message of Jesus, can I tell you this? This won't, probably won't come as a shock to anybody. We do not do it because we like sitting in little cramped seats in a, in a metal cylinder filled with jet fuel at 30,000 feet for hours on end. We do not do it because we like to eat stuff that we cannot identify as 
animal, mineral, or vegetable. We, not, we do not do it because we like to be in, in unclean, unhealthy, smelly, sometimes dangerous places. We do not do it for any of those things. We do it because by faith, God said, go and share the message of Jesus to the very ends of the earth. And so we go and, and thereby our faith then, our action, demonstrates the validity of our faith. It just, it just happens as a result of it. Faith is an action. If it's not an action, James said it's dead. It's not worth anything. A faith that doesn't work, that just says, oh, no, no, yeah. that's a faith that won't work. Now, I don't know where all of you are personally in your, in your faith journey, but this is, this is food for thought today. Is my faith demonstrable? Is it, is it actually an action that people can see in my life? Or is talk cheap? Or do actions actually do speak louder? than words because if it doesn't work it won't work it's dead as we heard today a faith that produces action is the only kind of faith that god will accept in fact if a person's faith doesn't cause them to work to be more christ-like then it's not really faith at all james example of abraham and rahab remind us that no matter where we come from or what we've done by faith we can trust the living god and experience his grace and forgiveness in our lives james said that faith without works is dead But the kind of faith that produces works that glorify God, that's the kind of faith that brings eternal life. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. 
visit us online at crossculturelife.org.